Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing up there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. We will be joined by Dave Hastings, Larry Schmelrose, Eric Pfeiffer, the whole gang tonight. Uh, I do want to thank everybody listening to us on all our various podcasting outlets, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us, no matter how you listen to us. Don't forget, rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Like I said, we got a good show for you tonight. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We got the NBA and NHL playoffs in full swings. We have semifinal matchups happening. Uh, one will be happening as we're recording this, uh, the Knicks and the Heat. Knicks are down three games to one. Later on tonight, we're recording this on a Wednesday, a little different than usual, even though that's basically the way it's been for the last month. Sorry about the uh, lapse in the uh, schedule there a little bit. Um, Things happen. Things happen. We're going to do the show when it's convenient for everybody. Um, But Heat, Knicks starting at 730. Then later it is Lakers taking on the Warriors. Lakers looking to close out the series. They are currently up three games to one. Miami is also looking to close out the series because the Knicks are down three games to one. And I'm really hoping the Knicks don't go out like that uh, against the Miami Heat. So we have that. We have the um, rest of the uh, NBA playoffs starts to uh, is tomorrow where you got the um, Nuggets taking on the Phoenix Suns and the other series. Uh, 76ers are up three games to two over the Boston Celtics. So those are Thursday night. And then we got NBA, uh, NHL playoffs to talk about with Mr. Schmelrose when he comes on. He's going to come on a little later in the program here. Uh, we have the Maple Leafs currently down three games to nothing, taking on the uh, – excuse me, the Panthers are currently up three games to nothing over the Toronto Maple Leafs. And game uh, four of that is going to be taking place. It actually already started. Uh, no score – uh, 11 minutes remaining in the first period. Then later on tonight, you got the Vegas Golden Knights, who are currently up two games to one, taking on the Edmonton Oilers. And then tomorrow, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to be hearing a bunch about this one, uh, tomorrow is, of course, when the Devils look to make this a series against the Carolina Hurricanes because this is uh, they are now down three games to one. Uh, so we have that. And then also tomorrow night, you got the Dallas Stars taking on the Seattle Kraken. Uh, it's all tied up, two games to two. Uh, so we have that. Like I said, we'll talk to Mr. Pfeiffer, a, uh, excuse me, Mr. Pfeiffer, Mr. Schmelrose, whichever one of them feels like showing up tonight. We'll talk to them uh, later on, get some basketball when Mr. Uh, Mr. Dave comes on here. Uh, but until then, of course, I'm going <laughs> to – I do this every week now. I'm going to try to talk some Mets. And it's it's been rough, folks. I'm not going to lie. It's been pretty rough. I told you if things snowballed and they got off to a bad start, things were just going to keep piling on. And unfortunately, the pitching is the problem. Like the offense not scoring runs, that's a problem. 
And the fact that they lose Justin Verlander's first start in, he gives up two home runs in the first inning. But then he settles in. He actually pitches five scoreless innings. And the Mets lose the game two to nothing. And, you know, I talked a little bit about the schedule last week, or at least I hope I did, um, taking on the Tigers, taking on the Rockies, taking on the Reds currently. And um, then they have the Nationals coming up this weekend. This should have been a stretch where the Mets cleaned up a little bit if they were truly worth their salt. And they may still be. Who knows what this season is going to be? It's only barely into the, uh, like a week into the second month, week, week and a half, excuse me. Uh, I was on Arizona time for a little bit there, so I'm still getting used to coming back. Um, not really. But <clears throat> get swept by the Tigers take one game against the Rockies, lose last night 7-6. to six. So currently, during this 13-game stretch, they are 1-6. So that's that's really bad. Like I said, the pitching is the culprit here. Um, Scherzer's not himself. And now, if he's going to be bad coming back off of the suspension, it is fair for anybody who wants to call him a cheater. Do I think he's actually a cheater? Do I think he's just getting old and doesn't have it like he used to? Yeah, that's what I want to think. I don't want to believe he's a cheater. But it does seem like a lot of things are happening once. And of course, he was scratched off his start last night. Um, neck problems, I believe. Uh, it would be interesting to see how long uh, term that's supposed to be. But, God, I just hope this season doesn't end before August. That's my hope. But... Having said that, we're going to welcome someone in tonight there. We got a nice little visual there in the recording. <laughs> Dave Hastings is with us. Dave, how you doing? Not too bad. How'd up my nose look? Oh, it looked. I didn't see any hairs, so you got that going for you. All right. All right. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Uh, how you been, my friend? Ah, you know, another day. Yeah. Another day. <laughs> yep. I hear that. Yeah. Um, so we will get into basketball. I am curious to, to, uh, all right, I got to go with this. I told you I saw Guardians last night. I know we've had our disagreements about the Guardians movies. I got to tell you, Dave, you, you should see the movie. Oh, I, I, I don't have a choice. It's part of mom's Mother's Day gift. So. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Yeah, I the only problem is I made the mistake of booking a trip to Boston this weekend, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to take her this weekend or have to uh, wait until next weekend. But, yeah, she's not going to let me wait long, I'll tell you that much. Good. And I think you're going to like it. I think you will like it better than the second one because I think it is better than the second one, truthfully. I've had some time to think about it. I like the second one. I think this is better than that. I'm not going to tell you too much, though. Uh, like we've talked about, Mike, I don't hate the Guardians movies. I just don't think they're as good as they are. Yeah, I just remember our disagreements about the second one. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't you like – like I have the first Guardians pretty high on my top ten. I feel like you put them like nine or ten or something, right? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I think my list of top ten Marvel movies changes uh, probably on a weekly basis based off of my mood. Yeah, I hear you on that one. If there's one one thing I will tell you is that Guardians, bo both Guardians movies that I've seen and the two Black Panther movies, best soundtracks out of any of the Marvel movies. 
Oh, this is going to continue that. Yeah, this that's is that, one of my favorite. Yeah. That is one of the things I actually look forward to with the Guardians movies is the soundtracks that they play. Because, like, you know, I wasn't born during the era that a lot of the songs uh, they play came out in. But mm-hmm. my, par- my parents had pretty decent taste. Well, my mom had good taste in music. My dad, <laughs> may, may he rest in peace, love him to death. But that man was obsessed with depressing, miserable country music. And I'll never understand Oof. how or why. Oof. Oh. See, I am fortunate because my parents raised me on Beatles music and Motown. Yeah, see, my mom was more that type of style. My dad was like Patsy Cline and and hmm. West Side Story. And know, he was into all that. I, I actually, I, I don't know if you're talking about a country song I've never heard of, but I actually like that soundtrack. I had that CD when I was when I was in high school. Yeah, no, what, the, I think it was West, whatever, the one where they're like singing and dancing and I don't know. I'm also not a fan of musicals in general, though, so <laughs> may, may my I, dad rest in peace, but his music taste, I don't miss listening to that. I'll say that much. For me, it's always been uh, depends on the movie, but I get you on that. But yeah, um, anyway. I think we can move off of that. Let's talk a little basketball here. We got the playoffs going on. We got the Knicks hoping to at least salvage this and get it to a game six tonight, taking on the Miami Heat. Then later on tonight, the uh, Lakers are looking to close out their series. Warriors looking to do the same thing and stave off elimination. They're down three games to one. Lakers taking on the Warriors. And then tomorrow you got, Philadelphia up three games to two over the Boston Celtics. Celtics looking to tie it up. And then you got the Phoenix Suns taking on the uh, Denver Nuggets. Um, believe it's Phoenix up three games to two, right? Uh, no, Denver won last night and uh, they went up three, two. Excuse me. I apologize. All right. Um, so what did you think about this week in the playoff action there, Dave? Uh, I mean, the Knicks can't hit the broad side of a barn from three-point land. Um, And that's that and their their inconsistency on defensive rebounding are the two things that have killed them. Um, They're not outmatched talent-wise by Miami. They're being outmatched on the ability to hit the three ball and hustle for rebounds. Uh, Miami's owned them with offensive rebounds. Um, and they've Miami's shooting. I mean, they've been lights out all playoffs, including against Milwaukee. Uh, and you know, it was, I, I said this last time we talked about this. Like, I remember when the Bulls were up five with three minutes left, <laughs> and here's Miami one win away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, not saying Chicago, I don't think Chicago would have been able to beat Milwaukee the way Miami did. Um, I think they would have gave the Knicks a good competition, but I don't think they would have been able to go up three, one against the Knicks. Like my, like they don't have that playoff grit that Miami has. Um, but anyway, I, that's, what's killing the Knicks right now against Miami. And, um, you hear it on all the sports radio shows. Like they, the reason that Tibbs isn't playing Fournier is because of a lack of an ability to play defense but he's also their best three-point shooter, and that's probably their biggest Achilles heel right now in this matchup. So, mm-hmm. um, and he, and he's out tonight. I saw he's got an illness or something. He's not playing. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll bet you money. He's more than fine. He just said he was sick. <laughs> um, but that that's neither here nor there. I have no inside sources that gave me that information. But 
I mean, the guy's been on the bench. Yeah, he's been riding the bench all playoffs. And, I, you know, when you're a professional athlete, that shit tends to rub you wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, I that that's that's definitely killing the Knicks. And Jimmy Bucket, what the hell is that? That's my mom calling me. That's the Laurel and Hardy theme. Give me one second. Yeah, sure. Oh, can't ignore Mama Dukes. But while I'm on, while you're on mute, Mike, I will keep talking. Uh, Jimmy Buckets and the way that he has played, um, he has been lights out. He has that heart that uh, I, I think our favorite phrase to go with now is that Mamba mentality. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, but that's how Jimmy Bucket, Buckets plays basketball, and you got to love it for him. Um, as a Bulls fan, it hurts because they traded him away to start their rebuild, and he's on the brink of making his second Eastern Conference Finals in the last four years, and the Chicago Bulls can't sniff the playoffs. So, you know, tell me how well that rebuild's actually going for you know five years after you traded him. So, um, that that would be my my like overall synopsis when it comes down to the Knicks Heat series. I think that the Knicks may pull off the win tonight. Um, they are currently trailing but only by one point you're only three minutes into the first quarter so nothing that is worth overreacting to at this point but i do think the knicks are in trouble and i I don't i just can't see how they win three games in a row against this heat team yeah and personally and apologies for that um I, i personally hate this they've been making like this is the second time in three seasons they've made the playoffs which is the first time they've done something like that in 20 years and even with the uh, playoffs that they made when Melo and Amari were there, it, it just seems like they, they get a lot of momentum going They get to a certain port and then you just kind of stop. They just, they just find themselves in some sort of quicksand. They can't move forward there. And I don't know what's been going on with Randall, but it just, I, I, some of the highlights I've seen, he just looks borderline disinterested. In what's going on. I don't know if that's frustration on his part, but I don't know. It's bad. And what's been going and, you know, Brunson's been good and everything. I, I don't feel like Hart has the same mojo that he had when he first came over. And Bar- Barrett's been uh, uh, struggling. So, well, what you're seeing is Randall just really, he, he's kind of crumbling. Um, under the pressure of the playoffs and, and the higher level of intensity from the competition. Um, Hart's actually been playing pretty well. Um, well, early in the series, he was playing pretty well. He's kind of been in ghostly uh, the last two games. Um, and Brunson is, you know, dealing with a, uh, I believe his ankle's a little messed up. So that's not helping him play at 100%. Barrett is basically a roller coaster. You're either going to get a great game from him or an extremely disappointing game. There's really no in the middle right now. Um, and even if he played in the middle, I think they'd be more in this in this series than they are currently. So, yeah, the the, the players that the Knicks need to step up have not stepped up. So, it, it's it, if you're a Knicks fan, it's been a very disappointing series. Yeah. Hopefully, I I don't think they can push it to seven games, but I would love to see them not go out in five. Tired of seeing my teams go out in five games. It fucking sucks. Um, all right, and we can move to uh, some of the other series right now. 
Lakers and Warriors going tonight. Your thoughts on that? Um, honestly, the, the Warriors have just not been themselves all season long. Uh, you go back to January, you didn't even know if they might if they were going to make the playoffs. Um, they just had they've been a horrible team on the road. So losing um, on Monday night really, really hurt them because now they got to go into L.A. and try to force a, a game, uh, a game seven. Um, and that's that's going to be hard to do. Um, or I'm sorry, a game six. Uh, that's going to be hard to do. And, it, you know, LeBron's playing well. The, the role players in L.A. are stepping up. Anthony Davis is a roller coaster ride as well. He has one good game, then he has a bad game, then he has a good game, then he has a bad game, and he has a good game. When he has a good game, they win. When he has a bad game, it's it's crazy what you're seeing there. They had some kids step up last night, score or Monday night, scored 15 points in the fourth quarter, completely flipped the momentum of the game that the Warriors were, you know, expecting to were set up to win. Um, and this kid came in. I couldn't even tell you his name. Never heard of him before. Um, and he drops 15 in, in the fourth quarter and, and leads the Lakers to a, a, a comeback win um, in, in L.A. So it if you're a Warriors fan, if you're anything but nervous, um, <laughs> I, I don't know how you could be anything but nervous. Um, I get it with their pedigree and their experience. You'd like to think they can pull this through. And if they were playing a team that didn't have LeBron James on it, maybe they could. But. LeBron James is on the Lakers and it's highly unlikely that they're going to be able to win three in a row and um, do that to him. But it would be a hell of a payback after, you know, LeBron led the Cavs back, back from being down three, one in the 2016 finals. Um, so, you know, that, that, that series to me has a better chance of going seven than the heat Knicks. I'll say that much, but mm, it doesn't yeah. look good for us. And, you know, the interesting question is, like, is this the end of, of the Warriors as we know them and the dynasty that they've been? Um, you know, or do they bring back their key pieces and, and you know, try to give it another run? Um, you know, Steph Curry's going to be 36. Clay Thompson's pushing, I think, 33, 34. Uh, Draymond Green's, in, like, early, early to mid-30s. So, you know, at some point or another, you got to trade your assets and, and accept the fact that you're doing a rebuild. So there's a lot to be seen with that series. And I, I think for the Warriors, there's a lot of question marks of what happens after the, you know, if they do get eliminated and what happens to that team franchise as a whole. But Steve Kerr thinks that they all have plenty left in the tank and, and can bring it, run it back again next season. But that's your job as a coach is to keep the morale and mentality of the team high. Mm. Yeah. And Draymond Green does have a player option for this season. That Lonnie Walker, the fourth, by the way. I think that's the guy who who did the the fifteen points the other night in the fourth uh, yeah. quarter. I, I remember he was the fourth generation, and I'm like, I don't know who what his first and last name are, but I know he's he's the fourth. That I do know. So yep. That, I think it's <laughs> on. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens with the Warriors if they do break up. I guess it's got to happen at some point, but. I don't know. I, I always kind of liked what the Warriors were able to put together because it does show you can – it, it kind of did sh- – between that and the process, it kind of showed how important the draft really can be if you develop your players correctly. So, I um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to pull that off. 
And then um, any thoughts on the two games tomorrow night? You got the uh, Sixers and the Celtics. Like I said, the Sixers up three games to two. And then the Suns up three games to two on the, or excuse me, the Nuggets up three games to two over the, uh, the Suns. Um, both tomorrow night. What are your thoughts on these series? Um, I said it once. I'll say it again. I think whoever wins the Nuggets Sun series is who wins the NBA Finals this year. Um, I mean, what Jokic has done it has just been mind blowing. Um, I think that when you look at the talent that the Suns have, you would expect them to be able to win this series. But Chris Paul being out's really hurting them. Um, but Devin Booker is. I mean, at this point, I feel like the guy could just play with his offhand all series and still put up 35 points. So, I mean, that just tells you how well he's been playing. I mean, the guy's setting – like, he's doing what, like, Jordan did in, like, 92. Um, he's just he, – I think he's shooting – averaging over 30 points a game, shooting over 65% from the field. Like, that's just insanity. And he shoots a lot of jump shots. So, that just that just makes it even crazier. Um mm. And, and yeah, like when you look when you look at that, you know that series when it comes down to the Suns and Nuggets, you'd like to think that type of performance paired up with an all superstar like Kevin Durant will give you what you need um, to be able to win the series. But when you have a guy like Jokic who's averaging basically a triple double, uh, carrying the team. And just being a dominant force down low, it makes things a lot harder. And and that's that's what you're seeing right now with with Denver being able to stay in the series and and actually have a lead in the series. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, how everything unfolds uh, with Denver Phoenix. I, I think it'll go seven, um, but I 100% think whoever wins that series is definitely is who's got to be your favorite to win it all. And that, I think, is what we're really watching and, and waiting for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Philadelphia miraculously up three games to two over the Celtics there. I know I was a little surprised by that. Well, yeah, and the Celtics just – they seem to be a team that they have what you need to win. And, I mean, a lot of people are pointing at the coaching. Um, he made a – arguably a huge uh, game costing mistake by not using a timeout uh, late in game four um, or game five that, you know, could swing the entire series. And that is crazy to think about, but it was an opportunity to, you know, call a set play and give your team a chance to, to make a run at it. And he, he didn't. And now they're sitting here down three, two, but you know, they've got Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then you've got on the other side, Harden and Embiid. And in this series, it looks like your better bet was Harden and Embiid. And with that being the case, you've got Philly up 3-2. Also having Maxi as a great role player for them has really helped. So it's – I just think Philly is uh, – I. it's hard for me to pick Philly just because of how – just consistently disappointing that team has been um, on a pretty regular basis. So, like, I just, you know, and Doc Rivers hasn't really been the same coach that we've all looked at him as since um, 
since uh, he left Boston. So I, I just – it's hard for me to want to, like, actually trust in him, I guess you would say. But he's got them playing good, and he, they, they're in a spot where, you know, Boston's going to have to win two in a row. Now, do I think Boston can? Yes. But, I, I like, tomorrow's games are the games that I think are going to go seven. Tonight, I think there's a good chance that you see the end of the uh, a good chance you see the end of the Knicks, and I, I think you could see Golden State since they're home forcing a game six, but I don't know if I could see them winning three in a row to force to force a game seven. Get you there, and I'll say this: it'll be interesting to see if it keeps up. But I think through the first five games. And you can tell me if I'm wrong on this one. It's see, just based on the things I've seen and heard. Is it fair to say this might be the best Harden's played this late into the playoffs? Oh, no, that is a completely fair statement. Yeah. I mean, Harden's usually just falling apart in the playoffs, and he's actually playing really good basketball. So um, he's not putting too much on him. He's not taking too many shots if he doesn't need take and overall he's playing smart basketball uh Embiid you know seems to be back to healthy and and playing like himself and then like I said that Maxi kid I think it's only like his third year in the league but he's a pretty special kid as well so you know we know in today's NBA the, the more superstars you have the more it matters it really depth of a roster doesn't mean as much as it used to still matters. Like I'm not trying to say it don't matter, but it just doesn't matter the way it used to. Mm. No, that's definitely, that's definitely fair too. I'd say that. So, okay. So we got those series going on. I think, uh, did you have any, Oh, the one thing I wanted to bring up, I, I don't know how much importance you put on this, but I know they just announced the all NBA teams. Uh, let me get it up here. Okay. First team was announced. It's Giannis Tatum Embiid, um, SGA from the Thunder, Luka Doncic. Second team is, uh, the Joker, Nicole Jokic, um, Donovan Mitchell, Stephen Curry, and Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown. And then your third team, Sabonis from the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, and LeBron James. What'd you think about that? I, I mean, in all honesty, the All NBA team, the real weight that it carries isn't like actually, like to me, like who made it, but what it means for guys that are coming up on contract years. Mm. Um, so, for an example, like, in the NBA, if you don't like it's in the way it is now. Like, if you make an All NBA team, your uh, ability for a max contract, you go from a max to a super max. So, Jason Tatum, for an example, since he made the All NBA team, now can sign a five-year, three hundred eighteen million dollar extension. Jalen Brown, since he made the second All-NBA team, he can do a five-year, $295 million extension. So, like, the, the, the making that All-NBA team actually directly impacts what type of contract you can re-sign for, what your team can give you, uh, what you can get on the open market if you go test free agency. 
like that that's that really is where um the the all nba selection really impacts players individually um as fans or uh, you know and you know it's a matter of respect right like it's like being an all pro like any nfl player will tell you they'd rather be an all pro than a pro bowler yeah uh, um and, and the reason for that is because when you're an all pro that that you're being selected by people who's uh, you know, you're being selected by the sports writers and, and, you know, it's something that really can positively impact your contract negotiations. Like there's a lot to it that has a lot of positive impacts for guys' careers um, a- as you move forward uh, in your career. So um, no issues with it. I mean, Giannis to me, Giannis, Joel, Embiid, and, um, Jokic, like they were basically your three favorites for MVP all year. But if you're going to give Giannis the MVP, you can't put him and Jokic on first team All NBA. Like you just can't. So I think that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Mm. Yeah, I get you on that one. And it does kind of suck to have Jokic uh, on the second team rather than the first team. But I, uh, you, your point is valid on that one. Um, Overall, any snubs you think? Because obviously they got the list of people that they feel are snubs. I, I can't look at Anthony Davis as a snub because to me, the dude has never delivered on the promise he had in New Orleans. Uh, he just hasn't to me. Uh, Lori Markinen's on there and um, John Morantz is on there. And obviously we know what happened later on in his season. Otherwise he might've made it over Fox. But I think I, to me, that's the difference there. What do you say? I, I 100% think that's the reason that's what screwed him. Um, what happened in public for sauna is huge. <clears throat> sorry. Huge in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So screwed him. Um, marketing. I, yeah, he had a good year, but I, I think I'd take any of the guys that you named over him. Um, and, and overall, uh, just to be fully honest, I really didn't pay attention to the NBA until the last, you know, from the all until the all-star breaking on. Um, that's kind of where I'm at in my life with the NBA because I mean, the <laughs> amount of guys take games off and don't play and you know, load management, blah 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 blah. Like, it really just kind of takes away. Like, I'd be pissed if I game planned my night to go watch a game and then the game I wanted to watch, the guy that's on the team that I really wanted to watch wasn't playing. Yeah. So, I, if they're not going to take it seriously, why should you exactly? Yeah, they. They get paid. I have to pay. So, I mean, enough. Yeah. No. Makes all the sense in the world. I get it. Um, I I don't know about you. Like, I stopped playing fantasy basketball. I just feel like it, it's hard enough to play fantasy sports dealing with injuries and shit, but then you throw the load management factor into it. I don't know how you feel on that one. Damn it. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, I, no, I muted myself so I could blow my nose. Figured we didn't want that in the recording. And then I'm like, trying <laughs> to myself, I'm hitting the video button. I'm hitting everything, but I'm mute. Um, I didn't even see that. Hey, I mean, we already got uh, Laurel and Hardy's theme on the show. Hi, Mom. So why, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that that's detrimental to fantasy basketball, right? Like, yeah. if that's – lead that you want to take that you know can help lead you to a championship and these are guys that are you know could potentially miss up to you know 20 30 games in a year i mean lebron like 
I just saw it like on ES, uh, ESPN's uh, Twitter account. Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, LeBron James. All five of the, those guys would be taken in the first round of your fantasy, most likely taken in the first round of your fantasy playoff draft. You might let Jimmy Butler fall in the second round, but probably not letting him go past that. But mm-hmm. like all four, all five of them, like, so the NBA rolled out a new rule this year where you had to play at least 65 games to be eligible to make the all NBA team. Mm-hmm. Jimmy played 64, Giannis 62, Lillard 58, Steph 56, LeBron 55. Wow. Like how pissed would you be if you're playing in you know a, a, a high money fantasy league and you take one of these guys and they're I mean, come on, LeBron missed 28 games, Giannis missed 19, Lillard missed 24, Steph missed 26. Butler missed 18. Like, if those games come in a stretch, you know, because they're playing a back-to-back and they, you know, like they have a rough game in the first game they play and then they give them a load management night off the next game, one of your top players that you pick in your league shit the bed for you in a week that maybe you could have won, but, you know, they had to take a night off because they were playing back-to-back. Yeah, this this change. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I agree with you on that. Oh, Man, music everywhere. Yeah, no, it's funny. I turned my phone back on because I I keep my phone on silent when I'm working now. I turned it on just in case you and uh, Fife or Schmelrose needed to get in touch with me, and everybody else is freaking calling or texting right now. Strange. Well, they're they're used to you doing this on Tuesday night, Mike. They're expecting you to be free. Yeah, yeah, I'm never this popular. <laughs> I know, I know that feeling. I really, I really do. Like when you want to be left alone, that's when everybody wants to stop you. So I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Um. Well, we can move off of that. Um. Let's keep going here. Um. So the NFL is releasing the full schedule for the upcoming season. Thursday, I believe, tomorrow. I, yeah. I think a couple games have already been leaked out. What I, I am curious here, because we haven't talked about this yet. They announced this was going to happen at some point in the last week or so, I'd say. We now have a Black Friday NFL game. And the first one is going to be the Jets taking on the Packers, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, so you got... Um, no, not Jets, Packers. Uh... Yeah, I, as soon as I said that, I didn't think that was right. Yeah, Jets, like, I, oh, like you got the Christmas Day game. Uh, Christmas Day, you got the Giants at Philly. So I know that's one of the games that came out. The lunch, London, the uh, international games came out. Um, no game in Mexico this year because the stadium that they play in is going through renovations and updates. The Jaguars are playing twice in london um i know one game is in atlanta uh or with atlanta and then you know you know what that jacksonville thing is about now right i mean besides the fact that shad khan is basically to to me it seems like he would rather his team play his their home games in england than in jacksonville but now his son tony khan um 
decide a, uh, AEW is running Wembley Stadium. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if that plays into it. I wouldn't be either. Um, you, so yeah, so you got Giant uh, Giants Eagles in Philly on Christmas Day on New Year's Eve, it, which is a Thursday night. You've got Cincinnati at Kansas City, so you know the NFL is praying that that game is for the number one seed in the in the uh, AFC. They're doing their first ever Black Friday game, where you got Miami at uh, MetLife playing the Jets. So that's Friday, what it was. Your international games are Falcons, Jaguars, Jaguars, Bills, which should actually be a really good game. Ravens Titans and then those three games are in England and then in Germany you've got Dolphins Chiefs Colts Patriots so Falcons Jaguars week four Jaguars Bills week five so they at least did the Jaguars the favor and did a back-to-back so they don't have to travel back to the states and then also they'll most likely have their bye week week six don't know that for a fact but that's my guess Ravens, Titans are week six. Dolphins, Chiefs are week nine. Colts, Patriots are week 10. God, remember the days when you used to get excited for a Colts, Patriots game because it was Brady versus, uh, versus Manning? <laughs> Maybe again in a couple years, but damn, we have fallen far. I think um, I'm double checking now, but I think those are the main games mm-hmm. um, that are currently guaranteed Mm -hmm. and you had a theory i saw on twitter earlier today about what the uh, opening uh sunday night game was going to be yeah i am hope i'm hoping it's jets at jets at cowboys uh (laughs) that that's what i'm hoping for but i actually saw the main the big rumors they're going to bring back the cowboys giants opening the season on sunday night football it has been a couple of years since we've gotten one of those. It's been like at least three years, I think. It's been five. five. Uh, so yeah. it's five, five years ago, this kickoff season will be, um, uh, what's it called? Will be It'll be five years since the last time they played. I'm mm. opening. I enjoyed those opening day matchups. I get that there were a lot of them, but I was fine with it. So, I mean, uh, okay. I enjoy- them but it got annoying after the third year in a row because they did it like six years running and it was just like i get it like a division rivalry but like personally that's the one change the nfl made that i was a big fan of was they moved uh the second division game or at least division games to the final week of the regular season um i was a big fan of that i think that's how i love that like i think the like I almost wish all the division games were the last couple weeks of the year and and let teams stack their records however they do, and then it's basically a mad dash to the finish line for a division title. Hmm. Well, that's fair logic. I I like the sound of it. I I don't know. I like the idea of one opening matchup on opening day. It doesn't have to be the same uh, division matchup every year. But I, I'm kind of in favor of that, I, and I don't hate the rest of that idea. How about all division games in week one and week two, and then all division games week 17 and week 18? Oh, I like that. We, we all know that the teams that meet in week one are not the same teams that play each other at the end of the year. 
I like that too, because now you get a little juxtaposition. Are you facing the same team that you're fa- that you faced week one in week seventeen? I like that. Like, I, I think that would be pretty badass. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, who wants a random division matchup in a random week like week nine or something like that? I like that. Make the divisions mean something. Yeah. What think about it if you're because I mean you play six division games, right? So. Maybe so technically we'd have to do weeks one, two, and three, and then week 16, 17, 18. So you could have teams get a jump early in their division, let them play the rest of the other teams that they got to play, and then possibly have a team that, you know, lost their first three division games be in a position where if they win their last three, they swing the division and take it over. Like, I, I think that would actually be a lot of fun, and I think it would add a hell of a twist to the NFL season, but. They don't give a shit about ideas. Nah, nah, that's unfortunate. At, at some point, they'll wind up lich, uh, listening to this. If Barcelona keeps taking over everything, they're going to need something to listen to. So it'll be this. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, did you have anything else NFL wise you wanted to bring up tonight? Um, there really hasn't been much. I mean, you got the schedule release coming up. You know, we touched on the draft last week. I still don't really care much about the draft, like I said, until I actually watch these guys play in the NFL. I just don't know about them. Mm-hmm. So it's, not, it's not hating on them. It's not personal. It's more I just don't like college football. Like, I just – I don't – I don't get how it has the following it has when over half the games are, you know, 40, 50-point blowouts. <laughs> now the college football playoff i'm all for that those last year's games were entertaining as all hell but most of the guys that play in those games aren't they they don't fall far enough back in the draft that dallas can draft them anyway it's very true and it's definitely true so and i'm with i'm with you on that mindset entirely i just there, there's way too many teams yeah that, that, yeah. that, that that's part of it as well Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, did you have anything else sports wise you wanted to bring up tonight? Are you a Kentucky Derby guy? Not at all. I did hear about like seven freaking horses dying though. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't hear anything about the Kentucky Derby because uh that happened uh when I was on my trip last week and I didn't even oh, I was on the plane ride coming home. And um I didn't even hear that horses died on that one. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I heard about that, but I didn't watch the race. I saw, you know, a, an unexpected horse won, which I always think is cool, especially considering the amount of money that's bet on it. So somebody might have put like twenty bucks down on that horse and maybe won a couple, like grand. Um, mm. So, but yeah. So I mean, I, I will give you a heads up, though. Uh, my friend did just text me; they'll be here in about ten minutes. So, um, okay. Just I was getting. I figured it's better to tell you now than have have them show up and be like, "All right, I gotta go." So, okay. um, I'm kind of uh, I'm on a ten minute countdown. Um, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. That, I I figured that was coming up anyway, so that's fine. Kentucky Derby, not not really my thing. My dad always watched it, but what I hated about it was it was five hours of coverage leading up to a two and a half or like a minute and a half race. <laughs> Yeah, that is ridiculous. I, I've I've just never been into horse racing. Apparently, my mother used to like horse racing, but I was never that into it. Did you ever go to the tracks? 
No, we actually have a racetrack here in uh, my town. I've, I've never been to a horse race. Yeah, I, I will say that. Like, look, I'm still not into horse racing, but being at a track and, and especially if you can get close enough to when they're coming out to the track, it is. I mean, I've never been around horses until I went to one. So maybe you have, and, and it wouldn't blow you away the way it blew me away. But like, those things are massive. Like, massive i had no like i knew they were big i didn't know they were that big so i mean and and when you actually watch them race and like they come around wherever you're sitting and and you hear their their hooves hitting the hitting the sand or whatever they're running on like it is pretty impressive like it's the same reason why i would go to a nascar race because supposedly the best part about nascar is where when they drive when they all drive by you at one time going you know 160 miles an hour Mm. Yeah, I've always heard that part is incredible. I just I just never wound up going to it. I know Eric kind of likes the horse race because I feel like he's usually one that brings up the Kentucky Derby every year, so I felt like we had to keep it going. But that's cool. So we can move on there. Like I said, did you have anything else sports-wise you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, because I wouldn't do justice talking about the NHL playoffs the way Chanel Rose can. Um mm-hmm. So I, I, the only thing I will say is it's been a very disappointing second round series for the Devils so far. Um, that that is it, it's. I I mean they scored eight goals on Sunday and between the other three games or four games of the series because they're down three one yeah, the other four games of the series they've scored a combined four goals. So. I, I mean, Carolina, like Carolina in the first two games made the Devils look like how the Ra- Devils made the Rangers look. They made the Devils look slow. They made them look unorganized. They got them out of position. So, I mean, I, I'll leave the in-depth analysis to Schmel Rose because uh, I am sure he is going to have plenty to say. Um, but, yeah, sports-wise, other than that, um, yeah, I really can't say much. I mean, I know the, the Yankees are having a rough go at it right now. I think they're last in their division. Um, I was actually at a minor league game yesterday, uh, so that was pretty cool. I went to the oh. – I, I was at the Phillies AAA team. Oh, okay. Who were they playing? Uh, the Cardinals AAA team. Ah. Yeah, it was a, it was a work event thing. Like it was like a um, like a an award for hitting my my sales in April. So oh, like nice. About, yeah, about like ten or twelve of us got to go. All the managers, our VP. Um, so it was a good time. Um, and I mean, I spent more time drinking beer and talking to people than playing paying attention to the game. All I know is that uh, the Phillies AAA team lost six nothing. So I mean, I know that much. Um, but, <laughs> and it was education day. There's 10,000 people at the stadium and a thousand of them were children. Oh, is that, was that good or bad? Go either way. I, 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 look, I love kids, but I like small amounts of kids. Like, <laughs> like if I can count them on one hand, I can enjoy kids. But when I have to actually like, have a scoreboard to tell me how many are there, I'm good. Uh, so yeah they they were screaming i mean at one point we were walking through like where the vending areas were and the uh, the kids were screaming to the point where the two people i I was with that had kids were like i hate kids so um that that tells you all you need to know um and sports wise right now i got the the next heat game on the second quarter started with the heat up by 15 and right now the heat are down six the knicks are on an 18 to 2 run 
Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Um, so I'm not going to keep you on too much longer. Like you said, you're on a hard out, so you got to go deal with that. The only thing I want to bring up before you leave here uh, to go back to what we started off with, Guardians. Uh, you said uh, the thing about you like the older music because um, you, your mom got because uh, of your mom, basically, on that one. I will tell you a um, lot of 90s music in this one because remember, Quill's been to Earth, so he's updated his soundtrack. Okay. Well, I mean, I won't yeah. mind depending on the 90s music, but I also don't uh, picture. I don't. I don't picture Quill listening to too much emo uh, rock music. So I fix, and especially with the the style that they've done the last two movies, they're gonna have songs with energy. I believe that. I wouldn't call it an emo song, but it is a rock song that starts off the movie. But given the direction the movie winds up going in and what it kind of indirectly tells you about what is going on, I I, I don't think you're gonna hate it. I, I doubt I will. Uh, they yep. there has a song on their soundtracks that I disliked, so uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't think any issues with it. But yeah, uh, I can tell you, pop culture wise, though, I did find I didn't go to the theaters. I streamed it. Um, I did get to watch uh, the Super Mario Brother movie. Yo, I don't. Okay, I'm gonna say this. I don't know if you're about to say you saw it the same way, but some dude leaked that movie on Twitter, not this past Sunday, the Sunday before it. And I saw that movie, too. Yeah, no, I got a website my buddy shared with me. So it doesn't always work. It's inconsistent. Sometimes the movie will freeze halfway. But I got to stream the whole thing. Um, It was cute. Brought back memories. Uh, Nothing Mm -hmm. that I would go out of my way to watch. I'm glad I didn't go spend, you know, $18 on a ticket to go see it. Right. Uh, You know, so, like, that, that was that. But. I got it. I do got to say, like some of the humor that was in it, I thought was really good. I got to say mm-hmm. that I thought some of the throwbacks to you know the game itself. Um, yeah. So like I, overall, like I enjoyed it. Like I don't regret that I watched it. I was mm-hmm. hot, an hour and a half long. I'm like, ah, oh, this is right out. You know, this is perfect for me to put on. So um, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. But and I will say, I thought. Uh, I was very impressed with Chris Pratt's ability to sound Italian because that was one of the big issues I had with how they casted that movie. I'm like, really? Like Chris Pratt? Like, really? But I was very impressed with it. And who do you know who did Luigi? Yeah, Charlie Day. Thank you. I'm like, the whole freaking movie. I'm like, who is that? And then, like I said, I was so exhausted, like when I put it on. So by the time it ended, I just I didn't even take the time to look it up. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll t- I, I like for me personally, I really got a kick out of that movie. Like you said, it definitely brought back feelings of playing the video game because I was big into the first three games. And I know Eric probably really enjoyed uh, the Mario Kart tribute, which I thought was nice, too. Um, so there was that. I, it's funny you said the thing about him sounding Italian throughout the movie, because I thought the way they did that at the beginning of the movie. <sighs> I, it fit for what they were going for, but it, I, to me, it was a little cheap. Yeah, I, I look, I, I mean, I think it was one of those movies. They were like, well, we don't have any original ideas, so let's do something <laughs> that done. And I mean, if I remember correctly, the only other time they did a Mario Brother movie was when they did the live action one. And that was, what, 30 years ago? And it sucked. It's a good, bad movie, but it's a terrible movie. That's exactly what it is. It's such a bad movie that it's good. Like, yeah, that 
that's the best way to say it. And that, that's how I felt. I, I, I don't know if I told you, I watched the Power Rangers movie on Netflix. Which like, one? That, the one that just came out like six years ago? No, the brand new one that Netflix just released back in April. Oh, shit. I completely forgot that was a thing. Is that any good? It's it's basically like how I'm just saying it's so bad that it was good. The acting is horrible. <laughs> like it's so bad, but it's so bad that it's good. Mm. That is the one thing that people seem to forget when they talk about Power Rangers. You go watch like any season of that, especially the ones from when it first come out. You go watch those. Like you like them all as people and everything, but they are terrible fucking actors. <laughs> oh, my! I, I will be honest with you. After I watched the movie, I I started rewatching the original uh, series of Power Rangers, and um, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, I yeah. even asked how he watched this show, and she's like, "Dave, all you did when you watched the show was practice your karate." Because, like, you know, I was a little kid, and like at that point, I was like, because of Power Rangers, I started taking karate. So when it would come on, I'd practice my karate while watching. So I didn't really <laughs> it, other than when they had fight scenes and the you know the 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 droids or whatever the hell they were called came out and and like, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm like 30 episodes in because it's a great, it's such a like when you don't want to pay attention to something, it's perfect. Like I put it on <laughs> things around the house or whatever the hell it is. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just blow through episodes without even paying attention. But, you know, I, I did get sucked into the Green Ranger episodes when they. Yeah. Jason David Frank was the man, dude. I like I rest in peace, Jason David Frank. Are you there? Yes. Oh. Rest in peace to, to him. Um, but even his acting is just horrible. Yep. Yep. I noticed that because a few months, it was like six months back, I went on a little YouTube dive of some Power Ranger clips and I'm watching these things and I'm just like, this is fucking horrible. This is terrible. So, oh, so yeah. bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I will tell you, when but they it, did... It the, an, oh, go ahead, Dave. I just said you it's nostalgic. Uh, that, mm -hmm. that, that's it. I will say they put out a movie like six years back. The one that I originally thought you were talking about with the whole new cast. It was a reboot. It was supposed to reboot everything. They didn't do anything with it. I did not think that was a terrible movie. I thought the kids they got to be the Power Rangers were all actually decent actors. The one dude uh, who played the Red Ranger, he went on to be in the second and third season of Stranger Things. And then the girl who played uh, the Pink Ranger she went on to play um, Jasmine in Aladdin. Oh, wow. Okay. Anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I actually. Oh, she's go ahead. Not in, she's not in it. And then um, Jason David Frank, he um, he's in the opening scene, but apparently he passed away after he filmed uh, after he filmed or they filmed that scene. And then I guess they they filmed a couple more, but he passed away where they, there was no way for them to edit it where the story could make any sense. Mm. Yeah. Uh, bad situation. And, yeah. and like we said, not a good actor, but like it's Tommy, man. He, like, come on. It's, it's give him a pass. It's Tommy. It's the Green Ranger. He, he was cool for like five minutes. Yeah, the one thing I will tell you that they they do get you in the opening scene. They kill one of them. Oh no shit! 
Yeah. Like, I didn't see that happen. I'm like, yo, all the episodes I watched and nobody died in the amount of times that they probably should have died if, if they were, <laughs> if the bad guys really did want to take over the world. Like, that's nonsense. So, like, the fact they kill one, like, but, like, the them killing the one ranger is, like, the baseline of the entire story. And it's still a bad story. But either way, I, I will say I watched that. I, and if you grew up a Power Rangers fan, it's worth watching. Um, again, it's okay. so bad that it's good, especially if okay. you remember how bad the original series was. Okay. All right. Good to know there. All right. That, that, I know that, you have to be it for me, my friend. <laughs> yep. I was literally just about to say, I know you got to get out of here. So we'll let, we'll let you get out of here for tonight. Thanks for coming on. Spend a little time here. Always good to have you. Final thoughts, Dave Hastings. Uh, be ready because Schmelrose should have a list of things to cover uh, with the NHL playoffs. Um, you've got some big surprises going on right now with the Florida Panthers. Um, you've got some tight, uh, some series that are out of like like three one. Or two one, you didn't expect like the the NHL playoffs is wide open and, and continues to show why it's probably the most exciting playoffs there are outside of the NFL. And it's mainly for the NFL is the one it done. Um, mm. But out of any of this, any of the sports have series they have to prove. The NHL didn't even prove why they're probably the most exciting to watch. Absolutely. So just hey. be ready for that. Uh, <laughs> next Tuesday, next week, back to normal, uh, regularly scheduled programming. And, yeah. Um, yeah, my man. I, I hope your week continues to get better than uh, from what I saw your text yesterday. So, um, uh, I, I was so, I was, <laughs> thank yeah. you, sir. I was so mad yesterday. Yeah, I could tell. So, I hope your week continues to improve. Um, I'm gonna, I, I wish, I wish Eric was here with us. Uh, you might be a little mad at me when I'm in Boston on Friday. I'm going to do a uh, tour of Fenway Park. So um, I don't, I, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he'd ever talk to me again if he knew that. So um, <laughs> I'm going to do that. Um, figure, I mean, I may not be a baseball guy, but I respect history. Um, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Fenway Park's been around for like 80 years or something like that. At least. At so, least, is, yeah. I, you respect that. You got to respect the history of it, and yeah. So uh, my my girl booked that for us, and it was a nice little surprise. Uh, no, you know she knows how big of a sports person I am. So, but yeah, hopefully next week we're back to normal. Uh, and w whether it's Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, God knows when. I, I look forward to next week. Yep. And I do too. I, it's funny. I thought you were going to do a little Wednesday, Friday, happy days on that one. So that's where I thought you were going. <laughs> uh, happy days guy. That was a little early for me. Uh, reruns, man. The reruns used to be on um, Nick and night and, um, and Nickelodeon actually. Now that I think about it, that's how I got to see it. Even though that's another show you go back and watch it. And it's like, man, you can only enjoy that show when you're a kid. It's like that power Rangers full house. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them there, but and we enjoyed them when, when we did, and, and that's why they're not on the air anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man, thanks for being with us, Dave. We will see you next week. All right, Mike, have a good one. You too, brother.
All right. Dave Hastings, everybody. We will have Larry Schmelrose here in a few minutes. Um, well, back to baseball for a little bit. And the Mets are actually winning tonight 2-1. to one. Uh, But, yeah, their problem, as we said at the beginning, has been the pitching staff. Everything with Scherzer, Verlander. I mean, we'll see. I, I do believe he went tonight, and he did go tonight. Um, he's still currently listed as being in the game. He might want, He's probably going to wind up be taking out when he goes back in at the seventh inning. Uh, but six innings, two, one run, two hits, two walks, five strikeouts. So hopefully Verlander is able to come back into form. Sanga has been decent. Uh, I know he had a, a pretty decent game on uh, Friday when the Mets won. I believe they won that against the Rockies 2-0. But outside of that, this pitching staff has been garbage. Joey Lucchese had a really good first start. Hasn't done too much since. Tyler McGill is is erratic at best. Um, David Peterson has completely fallen off the cliff. He had to make the spot start last night. I wouldn't say he he did terrible, but he definitely didn't do great. And the bullpen, which is... Now, I wouldn't call it great to begin with. It's very taxed right now, and you're having a lot of guys pitching positions that they aren't exactly accustomed to. Guys like Yakabonis, Brigham, you know, they've been on big league clubs before, but they weren't guys that you really wanted to see having to rely on to pitch multiple innings. So that's going to be a problem as the season goes on, I feel. Uh, if they're not able to do something to uh, fix it and – Right now, I mean, it's it's funny because you have Alvarez up, you have Beatty up. Beatty has kind of come back to earth a little bit. Over, um, you know, he came up and he was really hot when he started, but the, the last week or so, he's cooled off. Alvarez has been able to do some things offensively, and I believe I saw he got his average up to uh, 240, 245, somewhere in that area there. So for him to be able to do that, that's that's pretty huge. And it's going to be a test now, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Tomas Nito has now gone on the injured list as well, in addition to Omar, uh, Omar Narvaez, who was put on the injured list earlier in the season, which, of course, led to Alvarez's call, to, call up. But now with Nito on the injured list and Michael Perez being the backup, who's not a very good backup catcher, you know, do you still try to go with kid gloves with Alvarez? You let him play five times a week. I'm hoping they let him play five times a week. His average is down to 232 right now. And Beatty, who was so hot to start off, is now at 262. But the big calls are still to bring up Vientos, who's still tearing the cover off the ball in AAA, and Mauricio just to get some new blood in because guys like Canna and Vogelbach and Guillaume and fam to an extent, just like, especially the first three, they have not been who they were in the past. Canna was very good last season. He's not hit. He's, he's below the Mendoza line right now. Guillaume's offense has cratered a little bit this season. You know, at the very least, he was a guy who you could count on to start, couple days a week and, you know, give you something, not, not 20, 30 home runs or anything like that, but he, you know, he'd give you a 280 batting average. He'd get on base for you. Might have a 300 batting average. He's only hitting 241. He does have a hit and a run score tonight. So that's a good thing, but 
that's the big call. They want Mauricio and Vientos to come up. I wouldn't mind seeing Vientos. And they also signed Gary Sanchez to a minor league contract. I don't think they brought him here to catch if I'm being totally honest. I feel like they brought him here in case for another right-handed option at DH. Whether or not you really need that, who the hell knows? But, you know, Fam has not been terrible. He hasn't been overly great. Vogelbach is hitting 260, but this I I I don't think this is the guy a lot of Met fans want him to believe to be, if I am being honest. Like you look at a guy like Vogelbach, you should be able to reasonably expect some power. You know, and I kind of thought he'd be like a 20 home run guy. And he's had one, maybe two home runs on the season. And I'm sorry, but out of your DH spot, you should be looking for something you don't have in the rest of the lineup, in my opinion. You know, whether that's a and that's if you're not using the DH spot to kind of mitigate uh, problems with a guy who's in your long term plans and you just want to give him a little rest, but don't want to take his bat out of the lineup. If you're not doing that, your DH spot should be something. I don't know if different is the right word on that, but you should be able to expect some something in terms of productivity that leads to runs scored. And you're not seeing that out of Vogelbach this season. So to me, he is on the hot seat. Be interesting to see how long he stays, even though I don't think he's the problem, which unfortunately puts Canna on the hot seat. And it does... In a lot of fans' eyes, it puts Guillaume's job on the hot seat because he's not—he's never been an offense-first type of guy. Now, normally, at least over the last couple of years, he's been able to deal with that because he has acquitted himself fairly well when he's used in a limited capacity. And for some reason, it's just not working out this week, or excuse me, this year. And the Mets are trying to rely on him like they did last season. And he's got the best defensive glove out of anyone on the Mets. Offensively, it's not there. So I don't know necessarily if it's, I I mean, Vienzo has been tearing the cover off the ball. So obviously people are going to want him on the big league roster. Mauricio, I think people like just because he's a young guy. And I think the idea of youth on this team is something that everybody can get behind. The offense is a problem simply because it's not scoring four runs a game and it either runs really hot or it runs really cold. And this team, the offense has not woken up fully after last year's letdown. But more importantly, I think the reason why people are really pressing this Vientos and and Mauricio issue they want to feel like the team knows what's going on. Knows the, yeah, they obviously know what's going on, but they want to see some action. They don't want the feeling that this team is just kind of, you know, waiting for things, waiting for things to come to them, waiting to see how things play out. I think they want to see a little action because that's what most people equate with you know, being as invested in the team as you expect the players to be. And that's what good organizations are able to do. But I also think a lot of what the Mets' problems are right now is because whereas you have guys like Beatty and Alvarez and Vientos and Mauricio on the offensive side of the ball, you don't have that from a pitching standpoint. You look at the pitchers they've brought up, 
These are all guys, and I said it before, guys with, you know, cups of coffee in the big leagues with other teams. But there's no, like, homegrown pitcher. and Or at least homegrown rated prospect type pitcher there. I think McGillan Peterson, you've probably getting uh, you've probably getting what you're going to get out of Peterson. McGill might have a little more left in the tank, but for the most part, I think both of them are what they are. Lucchese, you know, hopefully he can get back to recapturing that first start he made because that was really good. But realistically, before he had the Tommy John surgery, you know, he was okay. Wasn't exactly great. But the Mets pitching prospects are still at least two or three years away. So you don't have anyone in the farm system that you can plug in and have a reasonable expectation of success with. And if you look at a team like the Braves, you know, they seemingly, you know, they they do nothing but produce quality pitching. You look at them, you know, Kyle Wright and Max Freed, their two best pitchers, two of their three best pitchers coming into this season, they're going to be out for a while. Spencer Strider was a rookie of the year candidate last year. You have him, you have Charlie Morton, the old man, uh, who's still very good. Bruce Elder, one of their prospects, they, you know, they put in the, um, the rotation when Wright went down, I believe. He's been very good so far this season. Their other options, are, uh, I believe their last names are Dodd and Schuster. They're the guys you're likely going to see get some starts in the next few weeks or so. But they're not. you don't know if they're on the same level. But because it's the Braves, you also don't really question it. Because, like I said, they do tend to get great pitching from nowhere. So we're not going to be talking hockey tonight. It looks like, unfortunately, Mr. Schmelrose and Mr. Pfeiffer will not be able to join us. Um, so that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will wrap up shortly here. Um, I'm more confident in the Braves being able to fill their rotation spots with their arms that they've developed than I currently am with the Mets. You know, you look at what Jose Buto has done. And he's not good. And that's that's the closest thing the Mets have to a legitimate prospect at the AAA level. Braves can keep doing this all day in terms of bringing their guys up, developing them to the point where they can be confident. Of them. And unfortunately, the Mets are still a couple of years away from that. And I don't think they expected the bottom to fall out of somebody like Scherzer this season. I think we all know they felt like they had at least one more really good year with them. And then you let the chips fall where they may next season. Hopefully you get one prospect, uh, Dominic Hamill or uh, Mike Vassell. Those, those are the, um, Blake Tidwell. Those are some of the guys the Mets are hoping develop into their reserve of uh, starting pitching if they need it. Unfortunately, <laughs> we ain't there yet. So, it's going to be a problem. I'm just really hoping that um, whatever the Mets need to do, June is approaching. And I say June because June is where seasons go to die over the last 10 years for the Mets. And you look at June. June is a make or break month. Every month needs to be looked at as a make or break month for this Mets team. 
And I will keep beating that drum here until something changes. But I, I think that's all we really need to talk about Mets-wise tonight. Um, Verlander did go in for the seventh inning, and he is now above 100 pitches. Didn't expect to see that in his third, in his second start back. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I just hope they don't push him so far that he winds up having whatever has befallen Mr. Scherzer over there. And hopefully he's able to get back on track. Haven't been disappointed with Sanga beyond that. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I You want to say you want to see this team do something at the training deadline, get a starting pitcher or two, definitely get a bullpen pitcher or two. I don't think, unless you're going to bring in a big-name bat, I don't see them being active in the offensive uh, player market because you have Vientos and Mauricio. Are they going to pan out? Who the hell knows? But I think at this point, you kind of, if you're going to make an acquisition, it should be with the pitching before the offense, unless you're getting that big bat that this team has really been missing to put with Alonzo, who just hit his 13th home run tonight. Um, and Verlander has gone seven. Seven, one run, now with seven strikeouts. So that's an encouraging sign. And um, the Mets are two games under 500. If they hold on to win this game, one game under 500. Listen, we saw last season... That doesn't necessarily matter if you're a game or two under 500 this early in the season. And I think we all knew this going in. Is this a team that can rebound and be there at the end? Right now, I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't entirely look like it. The fact that they've moved Jeff McNeil up in the order and they've moved Starling Marte down in the order, that's a good thing. I really think McNeil needs to be hitting second on this team and Lindor needs to be hitting third on this team. And the reason why that will not happen is because the Mets do not want to lead off the game with two lefty bats. I think they got to get over that at some point. I really do. Because I think McNeil is better suited to hit, be hitting in the two spot. That's where he was at his best um, prior to 2021, hitting in the two spot. When you move them out of that, I think it became a problem. And, you know, besides the whole overloading with information because of the analytic people coming in in 2021. But I'd like to see that. Marte, I'm really hoping he can get back on track. I do think moving him down the lineup was a good thing. The fact that they've had Beatty in the, five, in the fifth spot, they've shown that confidence in him. I like that. Hopefully they don't wait too long to get Alvarez out of the nine spot. Cause I would love to, even if you just move him up to the six or seven spot who Marte Vogelbach down, nothing wrong with doing that. Let's, let's see what happens. The fact that Alvarez is starting tonight, it's a good thing. Again, let's, let's see if they're willing to play him five games a week. So I'm not going to go on too much longer here. The only other thing I didn't want to bring up in relation to the guardians, just to give you kind of a, a more full review here. Uh, no spoilers. But what I will say is, I really enjoyed this movie. I have to think about whether or not this is a top 10 MCU movie to me. You have to be able to say that while also saying, this doesn't exactly make me feel like, all right, MCU's in the clear. We're going to get back to making quality movies every time out. Um, no more just doing it for the sake of doing it. More 
more, you know, quality control, all that stuff, all the things I said I wanted to see. And I felt like we're gone when Ant-Man and the Wasp came out, uh, Quantumania. You can't look at the MCU any differently now than you did before you saw Guardians 3 because this is the last call for James Gunn and company. And James Gunn is obviously going on to DC, running the DC cinematic universe over there. And it felt like the end of a story. It felt like the end of a chapter. I will say that it was very emotional. There were some sad moments in there. There were some great moments in there. There were some moments that reminded you why you love these characters and the way they chose to do it. There's use of flashbacks in this movie. I don't think it's any secret that, you know, this movie is very rocket centric. And I love that they used that kind of in to narrate the movie you know, or at least pepper the movie, how, however you want to describe it. I, I love that they took that approach. Uh, so th- there's definitely some sad moments in there. A um, lot of good stuff, though. A lot of good stuff. This is, this is a two and a half hour movie. And it definitely, um, I wouldn't say it felt like a two and a half hour movie. You know, you can always make the case that a movie can be shorter. And, you know, if you stop and really look at it, there's probably things you could have trimmed. But I think everything flowed the way it should have uh it, it should have so i i definitely recommend seeing that at some point i have to kind of update my top 10 list there i i had to defend ant-man earlier today from a woman who hated the movie not ant-man and the wasp quantum mania the first ant-man movie and i thought that was batshit ridiculous that this woman could hate that movie. That movie was a great movie. I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, and, but I, I also think, and I think we've said this before on the show, I think the problem with Ant-Man, the, the haters on that, that movie was developed originally around the same time that the first Iron Man movie was developed uh, due to different changes and them not you know, pushing back you know, actual production on Ant-Man. The script went through numerous rewrites, but the basic structure of the story was always kind of there. And that's why, you know, it felt like an Iron Man, you know, the haters would say that it felt like an Iron Man ripoff. I never looked at it that way. I never cared about it. To me, an origin story is just that, an origin story. And it's a very simple thing. It's, you can have a simple idea. It's about the execution. Look at the Mario Brothers movie. That was fantastic. It's about the execution. You can have ridiculous shit. Can you do ridiculous shit correctly? You can have a simple story. Do you do that story correctly? Execution is everything there. But yes, once again, loved Guardians 3. Thought it was really good. Um, And we'll just see what happens with the MCU from here on then. It It is sad to see James Gunn go after all this time. But... You know, hopefully the rest of the MCU is able to rebound and go back to making quality movies, man. So I think with that, we will get out of here for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us on all our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. Um, Thank you to Dave Hastings for being with me earlier tonight here. Um, We will see... Eric Pfeiffer and Larry Schmelrose next week, I'm sure. For me, 
Thank you once again, everybody, for listening. I am Mike Agliolaro, and we will see y'all next week.